Abigail. And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Good morning, church. I hope you are doing well. That was delayed. You guys are like, am I supposed to say it back? Yeah, this is great. We're, we like interaction. Um, I don't know about you. I have a deep desire to know my life made a difference. Like, I want to know that at the end, when my funeral, this is assuming God hasn't, Jesus hasn't returned by then, but that I had an impact on people's life and that what I did made a difference, um, that God used me. And I think actually all of us have this written inside of us, that there's something that we desire to be great in some way. Not great as in just look at me, maybe that's part of it, but great as in I want to be used by God. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I want to leave a legacy and have an impact. And uh, I think we get caught in the routine and the day-to-day life, and we forget that, and something happens, either nostalgia looking back, and wow, how much time has progressed? Have I really done anything? Or, or maybe it's, it's somebody has an accident happen of some kind that wakes us up and makes us think, is my life making a difference? And we have these moments that remind us that we're actually here on purpose, that we're created for a reason, that there's something we're called to do. And we're going to spend the next three weeks on that idea. We're going to talk about building together, building with God from this theme of 1 Corinthians 3.9. It says, we are co-workers in God's service. This is actually Paul and some of the other church leaders talking. It's Paul saying we with them are building the church. But the principle goes far bigger, that we are co-laborers, co-workers with God. Imagine building something with God. It's going to be bigger than you could ask, think, or imagine. It's going to have a greater impact than you could ever have on your own. When we partner with the Holy Spirit, when we partner with what God's doing, we can have a bigger impact. And that's what we're going to be talking about. I love this because, and this is why I love church so much, is, is church is God's plan to do that. Ephesians 3.10 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom. God wants to use the church To display his wisdom, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That God wants to use his people, the collection of his family, to make an impact. To show his wisdom, to love the world, to preach the gospel, to pray for others, to bear burdens, to make a difference. I think there's something inside of all, all of us that want to be a part of that. We want to make a difference. And so, with this idea of wanting to make a difference and having greatness inside of us, I think we can make some assumptions about what that looks like. And the first thing I want to do is address the pathway to greatness. That's actually the title of this week's message, the pathway to greatness. Mark 10, there's the disciples arguing and two of them, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, are talking about who's greater and they come to Jesus and in Mark's recollection of it, he's talking about how they want to be recognized by him. They're like, Jesus, would you do this one thing for us? They're like, they won't even tell him what it is yet. That's how, that's how kids are with their parents, right? We're like, will you do this for me? And we're like, well, what is it? And Jesus goes, what, what are you asking? And they're like, we want to sit at your right and your left in heaven. They wanted recognition. They wanted to be seen as great. They wanted that place of honor. And the other disciples heard about this, obviously, and they're a little upset about it. This is where we're going to pick up. Mark 10, verse 41. When the 10 heard about this, They became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, 
and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. So really quick, what Jesus is saying, the way the world works, there's people with authority, there's people with power, and they use it to rule and they, they use it for their own gain. They care about themselves and there might be parts of it where they serve others, but they lord that power over other people. And he's saying that's not how it's going to work in the kingdom of God. That's not how it's going to be with you. Verse 43, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. Jesus isn't upset about their drive for greatness. He's not upset saying, you, what you want is totally wrong. He's just saying you're going about it the wrong way. You're assuming that greatness looks like it looks in the rest of the world. You're assuming that it means you have power and influence and you can use it however you want. He's saying, no, actually in the kingdom of God, the pathway to greatness is serving. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all. What a challenging message from Jesus to the disciples. When they're like, hey, we just want to be recognized for what we're doing. Like, can I sit at your right? And my brother sits at your left. And, you know, Jesus is like, well, if you actually want to be great, if you want people to see it, the pathway to greatness is service. But Jesus doesn't ask them to do something he's not doing. Jesus models service. His whole life was to serve. John 13.1 picks up right before the Passover. It says, Just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 3 says, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. He had all authority. He had all power. He had everything he needed to actually rule and reign and lord it over them, but he doesn't. He knew that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. Many of you are familiar with the story. If you've been in and around church, you know what's about to happen, but think about that for a second. This is the end of Jesus' ministry. He's been doing miracles. His, his, his crowds have grown. His teaching has exploded. People are recognizing him. He has all of this clout. He's popular. He has all authority. And he, in that moment, recognizing his authority, picks up a towel. After that, he poured a basin, water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Skip ahead a few verses. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for it is what I am. He's saying, honor, serving doesn't remove honor. He goes, I am teacher, I am Lord. You you see me as that, and that's right. But then he says, now that I, your teacher, your Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. That you should do as I have done. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I was, I was convicted this week reflecting on Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And it is a passage that I'm very familiar with. I've studied it. I've heard it taught. I've taught it before. And yet, reading it again, I'm struck with the fact that the creator of the universe, 
the Son of God, put on flesh, came, was born in a manger, lived a perfect sinless life, had all authority and power. And in that moment, hours before the cross, picked up a towel and washed the disciples' feet. I started thinking, what would I do if, it was, if I knew it was my last 24 hours on earth? If I knew that, that tomorrow was my last day, what would I do? Instantly, I'm thinking about how I can make it the best 24 hours for me. I'm like, I'm eating here. I'm doing this thing. I'm hanging out with this friend. I'm doing all these things. Jesus knows it's his last 24 hours. He knows the cross is before him. And in that moment, he picks up a towel. He washes the disciples' feet. They've been wearing sandals, traveling. Their feet are dirty. He humbles himself as a servant. Then the host wouldn't even do this typically. This would be something that one of the servants would come and do. The lowest person in the room would wash people's feet. And yet Jesus washed their feet. Can you imagine how uncomfortable that would be? I mean, think about somebody you look up to. It would be uncomfortable for them to wash your feet. Your favorite politician washing your feet would be uncomfortable. Your favorite musician washing your feet, you know, Taylor Swift comes and washes your feet. You'd be like, no, no, like, that's weird. Don't do that. This is Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And he says, look at the example I set you. Look and do the same. Verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. One thing I wanted us to know is that serving leads to blessing. Not only do we want to be great, and Jesus redefines the path to greatness as serving, he also says you're going to be blessed if you do it. I don't think about that very often. When I think about my life being blessed, and I think about having influence and and doing what God called me to do, it's not my first reaction to think serving. And it's not just serving using my gift. I don't think Jesus had the spiritual gift of foot washing. It was beyond using his gift. It was, it was meeting a need. Because I think sometimes we can use that as an excuse. I mean, gifts matter. Talents matter. What God has given you matters. You need to use that. We're all different parts of the body. Paul talks about that. But also there's times where you just need to meet a need. Jesus humbles himself and reminds them, if you do the same, you'll be blessed. When you meet a need, when you put others before yourself, it leads to blessing. Serving leads to blessing. And humility is the secret ingredient of a servant. Humility is the secret ingredient of a servant. It is not serving if you just want everybody to see what you're doing. Serving is like Christ humbling himself and washing the disciples' feet. In fact, Paul has a whole section where he tells us we need to think like Christ thinks. It's in Philippians 2. It starts in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't have just a drive for greatness that's about you. Have a drive for greatness that is about others. Have the mindset of Christ. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Those are good scriptures to memorize. Put those to memory. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He then says the reason we do this is because we want to be like Christ. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset Christ Jesus, as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God 
as something to be used to his own advantage. Having power and authority wasn't something that he leveraged for himself. He actually leveraged it for others. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Note verse 7. He says, taking the very nature of a servant. That Jesus, creator of everything and everyone, takes on the nature of a servant. And then it says, being made in human likeness. That stuck out to me different than I've ever read it before. I've, I love these passages talking about humility. It's a great one to preach. It, it convicts us all every time. But verse 7, I was like, being, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he's explaining to us that it's in our nature and the way we are created to be servants. Do you guys see that, that connection? He took the very nature of a servant, becoming human. Humans were intended to serve God, to bring him glory. It is in your original created design. And when we fulfill that design, it exalts God and it lifts others up. It leads to blessing. Jesus is the greatest of all, and he's the greatest servant of all. He laid down his life. Therefore God exalted him, in verse 9, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. His serving is what led to God exalting him. He set those things aside in humility, became like us, and he calls us to do the same. Paul calls us to do the same. Be like Jesus. Consider others' needs ahead of your own. It's easy to say and it's hard to do. It's hard to model a life of serving. But it's the pathway to greatness. It leads to blessing. And humility is the secret ingredient. And serving isn't just what we do. A servant is who we are. Serving is something that we can do in an action, but it's more than that. It's actually supposed to become part of our identity as Christ followers. Because that's how Christ viewed himself. It says he didn't come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. It says that he came and laid his life down, that he served and was humble. And all these passages point to the same thing, that we're supposed to do that as well. That it's not just something we do, it's actually who we're supposed to become. It's how we think. It's a new mindset that we have, that we think about laying our life down for others. It's how we recreate it. Think about it. It changes it. If I think about just serving as an action, it's something that I do occasionally. If I think about servanthood as an identity, it's an outflow of who I am. You know, fish swim. They don't think about it. They just do it. It's who they are. Cows moo. They don't think about it. It's how they communicate. Dogs bark. Birds fly, most of them. And servants serve. It's an outflow of who we are. That when we are made new in Christ, our identity changes. And we're supposed to become like him. Christian actually means little Christ. That we're a little representation of who he is. And that we're supposed to look more and more like him as we grow in him. As we take our next step in following him. As we become more like him, the world finds us more attractive because we look like Jesus. And part of that is servanthood. Putting others' needs ahead of our own. The hesitation to serve, though is because it costs us something. Serving is costly. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes 
putting someone else's needs ahead of our own. Sometimes it costs us something financially. Sometimes it just takes a lot of effort and energy. Serving costs us. I think about the Good Samaritan. That's an illustration from Jesus. Many of you know it. He talks about three different people who pass by somebody laying on the side of the road in need of help. He talks about a priest, looks at him, keeps going. The Levite looks at him, keeps going. The Samaritan stops. Somebody who should have kept going. Somebody, if any of the three of them had an excuse, they, they had tension between their two groups of people, and he, he should have kept going if any of them did. But he stopped and served and loved, brought him to a place to stay, gave his own money so that he could stay there. That's a picture of servanthood. I love what Martin Luther King says about this. He says, I imagine the first question the priest and Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? That's what we all think, right? What is this going to cost me? I think Martin Luther King pointed something out that's in all of us. That the, the Levite and the priest ask the question that we naturally all ask when presented with a problem and an opportunity to serve. What is this going to take from me? But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? What will happen to him? I love the way he flips that because it changes how we think. And I think that's what it looks like to have the mindset of Christ. That we're not just looking out for our own interests, like Philippians 2 says. We're caring about the interests of others. Not just what will this cost me. It will cost me something. But what will happen if I don't? What will happen if I don't meet that need? What will happen if I don't share that good news of Jesus? What will happen if I, if I don't step into that thing? You know, serving is the pathway to greatness. It leads to blessing. Humility is the secret ingredient, but it does cost us something. But the cost isn't supposed to be what we count. We count the cost of following Jesus, and that's all part of it. But we're supposed to look beyond that and say, God, you did this, and so I'm going to do it. I'm going to pattern my life after you. In fact, when we serve, we're actually serving God. Jesus teaches in Matthew 25, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, God takes serving personally. When we step in to modeling our life like he did, he takes it personally and says, what you did for them, you did for me. You did that for me. And so what I wanted us to know is that we serve God by serving others. That serving others is a way that we serve God. It's a way that we, we care about what God cares about. And I want us to get this clear because in Matthew 25, he goes on and explains the other side of that. The people who didn't stop the people who didn't see him, and they're like, well, when did we see you and not stop? And when did we not clothe you? And he does the same thing backwards. 
He's like, I was the person who was thirsty, and I was that. And then he, he discards them. He throws them into the fire. And if we read that incorrectly, we'll, we'll think that our works will save us. And that's the determining factor. And I want to I clear that up. In Ephesians 2, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, so that no one can boast. You're not saved by works. But look at verse 10, the very next verse. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We aren't saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. We aren't saved by God works. What we do doesn't determine if we get into heaven or not. That's just through Jesus. But you are saved for a reason, for a purpose, that God has things he wants you to do. He's prepared these things ahead of time. He wants you to walk in them. We serve God by serving others. Something I wanted us to think about is if we feel distant from God, if we're in a season where we're like, God just feels a little more distant than he has in the past. There could be a number of reasons for that. But one reason I wanted to suggest that you maybe haven't thought about is are you serving? Because Jesus says, when you serve them, you're serving me. And if you want to get near to Jesus, I think you just need to get near to people. Any people. Love them. Serve them. Care for them. I think sometimes we're avoiding Jesus when we choose to pass by a need. Something that we could do when we sense that little pause from the Holy Spirit and we just ignore it and keep going. I think we're passing by Jesus. An opportunity to encounter him. An opportunity to to serve and love him. We serve God by serving others. And serving is for everybody. Serving is is for everybody who follows Jesus because Jesus says, this is what I do. This is what we all do. Pattern it after me. You saw what I did by example, washing the feet. Do that. If you do it, you'll be blessed. In the corporate world, there's different types of audits. There's financial audits. They look over your books and all of those things. There's operational audits. There's compliance audits. They make sure, you know, everything is up to code and being done safely and the correct way. And there's staffing audits. Staffing audits look, are the people being productive in their specific roles? Are they performing well? Do we have the right people in the right place doing the right thing? I think God is looking at the kingdom that way. He's saying, Are my people doing the right thing in the right way? Are they caring? He's asking that question. Are we contributing to his plan to love people, to love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves? Are we putting others ahead of ourselves the best we can? Sometimes we want to make a big impact. We want to know that it's significant, but we're unwilling to do the small thing. I know that's been true in different seasons of my life. I'm like, well, I want to do that, but I don't want to do that. And I've heard it said that if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. I think that's how it works in the kingdom of God. That Jesus modeled servant leadership. That if you're too big to serve, you're actually too small to lead. That's not just in the church setting. That's just in the kingdom in the way God works is that servant leadership is the way forward. You don't outgrow some of those little things. And what's fun is to be able to preach this message to a church family that actually loves serving. You guys do this well. 
I see so many of you serving in so many different ways, and it's incredible. And some of it I know I don't see, but I, I do see it sometimes, and it, it encourages me. Um, Mike Vile, many of you know him. He's serving all the time everywhere. He's on pretty much every team in the church just because he loves to serve. Everybody's like, who do you see serving? And they're all like, Mike. Mike serves everywhere all the time, and he does it just because he loves Jesus. Uh, Jessica Stanley serves all the time. She serves regularly. She uh, had Briar and then just so, shows up to church a few weeks later, and Briar's just strapped to her, and she's ready to serve with a baby. You know, there's multiple people. Cynthia always serves in kids. She's in there this week. Allison explains that, you know, if she's short a volunteer, Cynthia will always say yes. And that's incredible. She just has that heart. Dawn gets here early and is making coffee most weeks, and other people are jumping in. And uh, the flag crew, you know, Wes and Kyle and, and Tyler and Zach, they're out there when it's 11 degrees setting up flags. You know, that's not a spiritual gift. You do not have it. Yeah, you can give it up for them. But that's not the spiritual gift. It's not like you have the spiritual gift of setting up the flags. You know that it's a need. And it actually matters. Like, this is a great example of something that's small but makes a big difference. We had somebody come to church, and we said, how did you hear about us? And they said, we just saw the flags. We just drove, I just drove in. I drove past it for a couple weeks, and I just came to church because I saw the flags. And then, uh, like, God ministered to that person in a prayer moment after service. And, like, it radically made a difference in their life because they're willing to stand out there in the cold and set up flags. And I know those are all just examples in church, and there's so many of you. I could go through pretty much every row and name somebody who's serving. And that's just in the church. But we're all longing to make a big difference and a big impact. And I think we need to just start by doing the small things sometimes. It's stewardship. Are you willing to do the little thing? Because God, God regularly talks about if you're faithful with that, you can be faithful with more. And I think sometimes we get frustrated because we've been faithful with the little thing, and we're like, God, when can I do the different thing? Like, I've been doing this little thing for a long time, and it's just like I'm not, I'm not doing the other things that I want to do or the things that you've called me to, that I feel you're called to do. And it's just like we stop being faithful. We just stop doing what God asked us to do. But I just want to encourage you, church, keep being faithful. In church, in your home, if you want your marriage to improve, serve your spouse. If you want to, if you want to have a blessing at work, serve. Do the thing that no one else is willing to do. Pick up the trash in the hallway when you're walking down it. Like, that, nobody may ever see that. But those little acts of service are not unnoticed by God. And I just can't help but think back to Jesus washing the disciples' feet and think, we can never just use the excuse, I'm beyond that. I did that for a season. It's just what God calls us to do. Like, I think about that when I'm waking up extra early to, to pull the trailer or, or do something or, or even things during the week. And I'm just like, this, is, this isn't exactly what I'm called to do. This isn't like my niche. This isn't my gifting. But then I'm just reminded, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Not everything I have to do has to be the, the utmost importance, the biggest thing I've ever done. I want to make a difference personally. I want you to make a difference. I want us to make a difference. In the church, outside of the church, I'm extra passionate about the church, not just because I'm the pastor. I think it's God's plan for the world. Ephesians 3.10, we read it earlier. God's plan was that the wisdom of God would be shown through the church. His people. 
his people, the church, not just Sunday morning. It's bigger than that. It's us living on mission, being servant-minded people. Abigail mentions feed my starving children. That's a great opportunity to serve. Uh, we have some things that we're dreaming about and planning about for next year of other opportunities to serve and things we're excited about. But I also just wanted to give you the opportunity to serve at church. Join, join the dream team. That's what we call our volunteers. It's fun. Like, I actually enjoy it. Like, our rallies, our huddles are fun, and we enjoy each other's company. And we, of course, have need. Every church always needs more volunteers. But I'm not talking out of a place to need because, like, we, we get it done. We can make it happen. It's not like serve or everything's going to fall apart. No, that's not what this message is. This message is I want you to serve in the church and outside of the church because it's the best thing for you. You will be blessed when you serve. Serving others is a way to serve God. It's modeled after Jesus. But here's the thing. I don't want you to serve because there's a need. I want you to serve because you see the big picture. You see the vision. You see the fact that I'm not just carrying a 25-pound bag of sand outside in 11 degrees. I'm creating an atmosphere where people can come and encounter God. I'm part of something that's bigger than me, that, that none of us could do on our own, that we can only do together. That, that this is God's plan the whole time, that we would be his body made up of different parts, serving and loving the world into relationship with him. You know, we have things that, that God's been putting on our hearts. You know, Allison's like, kids ministry is growing. I want to open a third classroom. And, and she wants to rearrange how we do some things down there. And I, we get excited about that. And that's an opportunity to serve. We have other areas that we're like dreaming about what God could do. And none of the things are about those things themselves. It's about the people on the other side of those things. It's about seeing the next generation have a space where they can worship God build friends who are like-minded and, and learn the word and memorize scripture together and grow in Christ. It's about having moments like this where we can come and have somebody pray for us, encourage us, open the word together, worship God together, and leave different, encouraged, equipped. God wants to use the church to display his wisdom to the world. And what's cool about kingdom partnership and service is that it's exponential. It's not just addition. It's not like one more person is doing it with us. We're going to be able to, to reach one more person. It's, it's exponential in what God does. Deuteronomy 32, 30 says, How could one man chase a thousand or two put 10,000 to flight? I'm like, what kind of Jesus math is that? Like one person, 1,000, two people, 10,000? And he's actually talking about people coming against Israel in this moment. And um, how he had lifted his hand and Israel had sinned and it was going to have an, a, a compounding effect. But the same thing is true is that when God is with it, it multiplies the effect. That we want a church that loves and knows God because we want that for each and every one of us. But we also want to be a church on mission that cares about the people who aren't here yet that we want to come and get ministered to on a Sunday or during the week in small group, and we want to minister to somebody else. But we're also very aware of the empty seat next to us. That we're aware of our coworker who doesn't know God yet, our friend from school who doesn't know God yet, that, that family member we've been praying about, that neighbor who just moved in, that you want them to come to Jesus because it will make your living next to them better. 
We're aware of the people in our life who need Christ. And I truly believe that God's plan is that we serve them into the kingdom. I have, I have a friend who's a pastor in Chicago, Pastor Al Toledo, and he has a personal life mission statement. And he says, my personal life mission statement is to serve others into greatness. To serve others into greatness. To use his time, his energy, his giftings to promote other people. And I love that. I just can't help but think, what, what if we had that individually? And what if we had that together? What if we had that vision as a church that we're going to love people into the kingdom of God? And once they're in the kingdom of God, we're going to love and serve them into their full potential. Think about it. If everybody was doing what God created them to do, the impact of that, we can't even imagine. That is the whole message of this series, the next three weeks, building together. Augustine said it like this. He said, without God, we can't. Without us, he won't. Without God, we can't. We can't actually change lives. We can do everything we can, but God has to move. But God also created in such a way where he's not going to do it unless we do what we're called to do. The little things and the big things. The noticeable things and the unnoticeable things. When we do that, he's going to do immeasurably immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. We want to see more people come to know God. We want people to find hope. We want people to take their next step in following Jesus. We want people to find freedom. We want people to, to walk in what they were created to do, those good works which God planned ahead of time, and make a difference. Serving is the path to greatness. It takes humility to get there, but God blesses it. When you serve God by serving others, he's pleased. I like thinking about this too. I think there's another significance to Jesus washing the feet. In fact, he talks about how, do you understand what I'm doing? And they don't. And there's the practical aspect, and he's talking about serving. He's like, go and do this for others. But there's the spiritual component of it where it represents him washing away all the sins, all the dirtiness. And he did that by laying down his life. It wasn't a glamorous thing. He was nailed to a cross, mostly naked, beaten, spit at, mocked. It was an act of service. It was an act of humility. And just hours before that, washing the disciples' feet is a picture of it. Jesus laying down his life for the cleanliness of the disciples. He does the same thing for us. He lived a perfect, sinless life so that we could have a relationship with God. That, that act of service actually compels us to go and do the same, to love others sacrificially. That he offered to wipe away all our sin, all the mistakes we've ever made. It's humbling to think about Jesus doing that. I think sometimes the, the gospel can become so intellectual that we don't think about how great of an act of service it was. That he was physically beaten. That emotionally they were terrible to him, making fun of him, calling him names. And he did that as an act of service for you. 
for me so that we could have a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you're in the room and somebody invited you, that is a picture of the gospel, that you have made a mistake. Everybody has. Romans says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that all of us have tried to do things on our own and we've made a mess of it. But Jesus, in his goodness and grace, died for us and rose again on the third day and offers to wipe all that sin away if we simply come to him in faith and receive the grace he offers. So if that's you, I want to pray for you in this moment. And just pray along with me in your own words. God, I need you. I'm, I'm aware that I need you. I need you to, to wash my soul, my spirit, to make me new, to make me born again, a clean slate, starting over. I ask for your forgiveness, for your grace to wash over me and make me new. God, I ask that your spirit would fill me to overflowing. God, that as I become new, I would become more like you. In Jesus' name. And now I want to pray for the rest of us. God, those of us who've already made that decision to follow you, I believe your spirit is speaking to us today. Would you help us to become more like Christ? Would you help us to walk in humility? Would you help us not to just put our own needs ahead of everybody else? Would you help us to be a servant? Would you help us to serve and love others into the kingdom of God? God, not that we would do it in our own strength, but that your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that worked through him living in us would help us to become more like you, to see others, to love others the way you'd want to love them. Would you receive all the honor and glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com. We hope you have a great week.